Let's face it, living takes guts, and living a full life takes a lot of guts. Igniting Courage Podcast is the place you can come to get a blast of courage from real people who are clawing their way through life just like you are. We're going to talk about big courage and also little daily courage. You'll hear people's opinions on how to build courage and how to summon it when you would rather join the circus and never be heard from again. So welcome. I'm glad you had the guts to show up for this conversation. Hey everybody, this is my interview with my friend Katie Niss. And I met Katie through a women's uh, magazine and, and an event in the place where I live. And we became friends. We'd go out for coffee periodically and everything. And then, then I learned her incredible story of courage and survival and perseverance. And I just knew she had to be on the podcast. So enjoy this awesome interview and this incredible story of forgiveness and courage. I'm just blown away. Enjoy it, everybody. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast today. I have Katie Niss with me. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hey. How are you? Good. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on over right after Christmas. So what does courage mean to you? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, courage, what it's always meant to me really is doing the right thing um, in spite of fear or in spite of it being the popular thing. Um, doing what you know is right, uh, regardless of how hard it will be or what it will take to do that. All right, and you've got quite a story as far as where fear is played in, so why don't you tell yeah, us a little bit about that? Sure. So I'll, I'll just set it up, basically taking you back to 2006. I was home uh, with my one-year-old daughter, uh, four-year-old son, and I had a six-year-old son that was in kindergarten and uh, was kind of playing at a single mom that year because my husband was in the Marines, and he had just received deployment to Iraq, so he had been in country in Fallujah as of September and I was just running and busy keeping up with the boys and the kids and I, I just found out I was pregnant with our fourth so we were really excited about that and uh, running the household and, and the kids were going to school in, in Traverse City and at the time we lived about a half hour away so we had a little bit of a drive and I was on my way to get my son from school uh, at GTA and on my way into the school the road we were traveling on was very twisty curvy road the oncoming driver was driving um, in the opposite lane he was coming towards me but he had cu cut the lane cut the corner so when he was coming around the corner towards me he was on the inside lane and we met right there head-on um, full speed and I don't remember the accident, which I'm very thankful for. Um, I woke up a week later in Spectrum Hospital in Grand Rapids. They had airlifted me down. Um, wasn't expected to live. I had a traumatic brain injury. Um, I had lost vision in my right eye and tracking. I had a bruised heart, uh, broken ribs, collapsed lung, fractured sternum. Um, lacerated liver, broken hips, uh, two compound open fractures on my right tib and fib, broken knee, and my right foot and ankle were crushed. So I was in pretty rough shape. Um, I was trapped in the car. They used the jaws of life to get me out. And uh, so here's my life right at that moment on October 27th. I am bleeding out unconscious, trapped in a burning car. 
and the drivers that were behind us thought well enough to get my one-year-old daughter out, which she was fine, um, and my four-year-old son, which he was in, have, had a concussion, and he had some um, injuries. He had ended up with having a bowel obstruction and had surgery, and he's fine today. I have a, you know, at the time I had a six-year-old sitting at school waiting for mom to pick him up from school, not knowing why she's so late, and a husband that is literally on the front lines fighting the war in Fallujah. So that was our life in that moment. And I was very, very thankful for all the people that responded to the accident, that saved my life, that took care of my kids. When I woke up from a coma, it was about a week later, and all kinds of miracles had happened along the way. Uh, the, the bleeding on the brain had stopped. The swelling had gone down on its own. Um, <clears throat> I had stopped losing so much blood. I was able to, you know, just kind of repair. I, they had kept my leg, my right leg at the time, and was just kind of piecing it together, hoping that it would heal and do well. And I spent about a month in the hospital. Um, needless to say, my husband got the call to come home, and there's a whole long story behind that, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but he came home and was able to stay home because I needed 24-hour care. I went to physical therapy and worked on recovering from all the other injuries. And so for the next nine months or so, so I was 29 when um, the accident happened. Actually, I was 28 and I came home on my 29th birthday from the hospital. So I was a young, young, respectively young kid still. Um, but here I was excited that I had graduated from a walker to a cane. <laughs> and uh, it was complete with uh, the prongs and the golf balls on the bottom of it. <laughs> so, and I was excited about that at 29. It's like, look at me go. <laughs> um, so going through physical therapy and I, I had lost all feeling from the knee down on my right leg already. So I didn't have any feeling but I was trying to learn how to just, just to walk on it. And it had bad and badly broken. It was the talus bone is the main ankle bone that connects the foot and the um, leg bones. And that was crushed. And so they pieced it back together. I had, I had enough iron in me to build a train track. I mean, it was just <laughs> all pieced together. But I went through nine months of physical therapy and feeling pretty good. Because I didn't have any feeling, I didn't realize that my foot was kind of tilting inwards. I was walking on the outside edge of my foot because I didn't feel any pain. One day I went back for, for x-rays and talked to the doctor and never a good feeling when you see him look at the x-rays and scratching his head and <laughs> looking for a long time and saying, I'll be right back. And so he walked out with the x-rays and I just remember looking at my husband thinking, this isn't good. And, uh, he came back and said, well, your ankle's rebroke. There are a couple options. We could leave it as is, but you can't ever walk on it. Well, that's not an option. Um, we can have it fused or you can have it amputated. You know, that's the A word. I mean, we talk about cancer being the big C word and how terrible and tragic that is. And it is for sure. But also the A word, that was my word, it was amputation. What does that mean? That's a whole new world. It's a whole new realm. I didn't know anybody that 
was an amputee and didn't know what that looked like, didn't know what that meant, didn't know anything about anything about it, really. So I was shocked and in denial for sure. I went home and got four other opinions. I went to different doctors all over and they unfortunately all came back with the same conclusion. And so I had to, you know, it took, just took that long for me to just accept the fact that this was my decision that I was going to have to make. And because I had the option to keep the foot, to keep my leg, or have it fused, they considered the surgery to be elective, getting your leg amputated to be elective. And I don't know how they can define it that way, given the circumstances I was in. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I was like, how is this elective? I'm not just waking up deciding, oh, let me get my leg amputated today, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a decision that I had to make, ultimately. And um, leaving it as it was broken obviously was not a decision. I, I can't do that. I'd be stuck in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and in pain. And I have three kids. And... Um, I was pregnant in the accident, I don't know if I mentioned that already, but uh, the baby didn't make it. Um, so I had three kids to raise still, and, and how do you be a mom? You can't be, it's hard, you know, to figure that out, to go from being busy and active and teaching classes and working out, and I was feeling my best and busiest, and things were going great fit for me physically at the time. So it was just a huge setback. So I spent a lot of time praying about it, a lot of time thinking about it, researching. I spent a lot of time online researching, um, looking into groups of amputees that online chat rooms and groups and asking questions and uh, weighing the decision between getting the ankle fused or getting it amputated. So that's kind of what it was down. Um, and oddly enough, fusion seemed to be like the worst choice between the two, even though it'd be keeping the foot, um, it was a longer recovery time, no guarantee that it would even hold, that I wouldn't be continuing to have surgeries down the road, and there's just no guarantee of not having any pain. So, and the, the range of motion and a fusion would have been the same as amputation. So I still would be able to move. You know, I took the whole summer to make sure the doctor knew what he's talking about, making sure he was right, see, making sure there wasn't other options. So it was a long time of being in pain and uh, not being able to walk because obviously I'm in a wheelchair this whole time. So my husband, he, I mean, he took care of everything and he is my hero. He had to care for me um, coming home from Iraq and he had to care for the kids. And so he went through a lot, but Making the decision wasn't very easy, and we talk about courage and what does that look like and what does that mean, and for me at that moment, it looked like um, making the decision for something bigger than myself, and what is going to be the best thing for me and for my kids and for my husband, because kids are wonderful. I love them. They don't let you feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> they, they still want breakfast in the morning. They still want, um, be, you know, tucked in at night. They still want, you know, those things, which they should, but I, I didn't have that opportunity to, to 
to be bitter and grumpy and feel sorry for myself. Um, and I think everybody that has gone through any tragic situation, whether you have kids or not, you have the choice to become bitter or become better. And that's always a choice because when the accident happened, I obviously didn't choose for the accident to happen. Right, right. I didn't choose for those situations to be there, um, but I do get to choose how I respond to it. And, and that in alone can be courage. Making the decision, I mean, how do you make that decision? What does that look like? You know, I'm a young mom, uh, what is my life gonna be? I had no clue. And there's no guarantee that I would be able to walk well. Would I be limping? Would I be in pain? Would a prosthetic work and fit? How do you walk on a prosthetic? How do you walk when you don't know that you're, if you're where your foot's at? Or can I, will I ever be able to go hiking again? Can I play basketball? What, you know, all these questions raise up about what your new life is going to be like in that situation. And, um, I had to narrow it down though, what is going to be the best decision for my family and for my kids? Because at the end of the day, that was my first priority. And I decided um, to have the leg amputated. And um, it obviously, I, again, I didn't feel like it was an elective surgery that they had to classify it as. It just <laughs> seems like a slap so, in the face to I, say. I know. I feel right, like I choice. needed to call them and clarify. <laughs> just so you know, I'm not choosing this. <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm pushed into a corner and having to make this decision. But it was the right decision. And the other thing with making the decision, too, when when you're in a tough situation like that, everybody around you is watching you, especially your children are watching you about how are you going to react? um, What are you going to do about it? And I knew that. And I didn't care as much about the other people around me. Granted, I mean, I had a lot of people praying for me and helping and encouraging, but especially for my kids. I needed them to see that um, you can make the right decision and you don't have to be bitter about it. They are going to learn from me how to respond to situations in their own life when they run across tragic decisions or tough decisions even. They're going to learn from their parents, uh, from me. Uh, how to respond. So I had to put on a brave face and and talk to my kids about what amputation is going to look like and how it's going to go. And we sat down, I got a DVD about, um, there's this these uh, amputee X games. And so you watched a video about that. And showing them that, you know, see, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be invalid. I can still do things. I'm going to be in the Olympics. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Or take up rock climbing. Yeah. And actually my son, who was six, he did ask if I was going to take up mountain biking or uh, dirt biking is what it, what it was, dirt biking. So he was excited about the, the fact that he's going to have a mom with a robot leg because that makes me really cool. <laughs> In fact, it, it for all my kids, whenever they would introduce me to their friends or their teachers at school, this is my mom, and she's got a robot leg. <laughs> Show them, mom. <laughs> You're the $6 million mom. I am something. I don't know. Titanium mom, yeah. that's for sure. So I just wanted them to know that it was going to be okay. And in it ended up being something that they were proud of, <laughs> you know, in some odd way. 
that they thought was, because it was unique and interesting and they don't run across a lot of amputees. And the other side benefit to that really is they are the first to welcome and to be kind to other people who are handicapped in any way, shape or form. Seeing someone in a wheelchair or someone missing a limb doesn't phase them. It doesn't bother them and would be um, really easy for them to go make friends and talk to and not um, be afraid of. And I encourage that honestly, even as an amputee today, seeing uh, kids, and honestly it's the parents that I get the biggest chuckle out of because kids are just naturally curious. They just want to know what's going on. That's weird. I've never seen that before. And it's usually the parents' reaction that gets me because they're always, you know, they want to know, but they don't. They're looking sideways, but they're like, shh, 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 don't say anything. Don't, <laughs> don't look. Don't act like, you know. And I get it. They don't want their kids to be disrespectful, and that is important. But to me, I'm, uh, I'm always encouraging, come look at it. Like, see that I'm, I'm pretty normal. Like, I can... I'm not weird. I'm not a freak. I'm, you know, I can walk. It's just I walk with a leg, a different leg, a metal leg, and um, and I think if they can see that and be around me and experience that, then they won't be afraid the next time they run across someone who's handicapped. Right? They can see that you can still be a normal person. Yeah, sure. And and so you create a new normal, and that was probably the most I guess when you talk about I don't like when I think about the decision I don't consider it oh I'm so courageous for making that decision I felt like it was more out of a necessity or a need but I suppose looking back um it was elective so I did choose (laughs) to have it well as I think about it we I I think about you and I'm like oh she went through this horrible accident you know recovering from that and all that that took a lot of courage and then as you're talking about it now I'm thinking well she didn't have a choice on recovering from the accident she had it. It's when you bring in the choice, right. whether you actually have one or not. You could have kept the foot. You had to make that decision, and, yeah. and that's where the courage comes in. But then that third layer that you talk about of, i got to put on my brave, brave face for the kids. Yes. How hard was that? Yes. That, I honestly feel like that was where the courage stepped in. It wasn't as much about the physical. Yes, the physical was hard. Yes, there was a lot of unknowns. I mean, remembering the first steps that I took as a brand new amputee, I had just been fitted with my first prosthetic and it hurt so bad. On the stump? Um, yeah, yeah, on the end of my leg. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I had so much swelling still from the amputation and they, they knew that. Um, and I, I was pretty healthy otherwise. I wasn't sick and the surgery went well, but the first steps were so painful and I could have just said, nope, done. But I had to walk through, literally walk through the, the pain. Uh, and as I continued to take the steps, literally, um, it got easier and easier and easier. And so now, today, most people wouldn't even know I'm an amputee. Most people don't, um, unless I tell them, because I don't have a limp and I don't. I run funny, but I don't like running anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> you like it when you have two legs. I didn't like it when I had to. I mean, I know running is a fad now. I think I'll skip out on that one. I'll wait till the next one. <laughs> yeah, and so, so the physical part was, yeah, very hard and difficult, but I wouldn't say that was necessarily courageous. It was the attitude choice. It was how I responded to it. Mm-hmm. 
because to back up for a second, the kid that hit me was driving his parents' company vehicle. He has never apologized. He's, I've never met him. He got a careless driving ticket, and that was it. And he even fought that because he wanted to be a truck driver. He didn't want it on his record. And so that was another piece of that whole emotional thing is how do you forgive someone who isn't asking or want or care for forgiveness and letting that part go and not the courage it takes to not let that anger, you know, cage you up. Not carry that around, yeah. And let that go. That was that was hard. It's it's a choice. You know, we can hang on to that anger. We can hang on to it, but we don't have to. And when you do hang on to that anger, you're really putting yourself in a cage. And so you got to have the courage to let that frustration and anger and unfairness and you know, injustice of the whole thing. You, you just, it takes courage to let that go. How would you do that? I mean, because that's... He changed your life and your kids' lives and your husband's life mm-hmm. dramatically. Yeah. And nothing. Yeah, and I lost a child. Um, well, it was just that, just what I said. I realized that holding on to that was only keeping myself locked up, basically. It was only hurting myself because he obviously didn't care. And me being angry and at him wasn't changing anything and the only thing it was doing is holding me back and so I had to let it go I had to and again for the sake of my own sanity the sake of my kids I had to and how long did that take um that is a tough question to answer because even now like we're talking about it I get Mm. but I, I just, you know, as soon as that, that anger and frustration start to well up, I'm just like, no, it's done, it's past, you've let it go, it's okay. Like, I remember that, that frustration, I remember it. Every time I think of it, I, I, get, I make the choice mm-hmm. again and again and again to let it go. And I guess it's hard to say, put a timeline on when do you feel like you were over it. Maybe in some ways, I'll never get over it in that regard. Um, but I can always choose to let it go Mm -hmm. every time. Well, that's such an interesting, it's an important lesson that it's not, we don't just get over stuff, you know? And so when we kind of beat ourselves up, like, why can't I just get over this? Why can't I just, you know, it, it's not a one and done kind of thing. It comes back and you got to just keep, keep reminding yourself and having the courage to. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's facing that pain and anger and frustration over and over and over and over again for however long it takes but each time you're in the face of that having the courage to say not today mm-hmm. you are not taking over my thoughts my actions my choices or emotions and that's the decision that takes the courage to do because it's not always the easy decision to make um, and so with my kids again they were watching that and my desire in life is to leave a legacy that my kids can be proud of. And I don't want, or at my funeral, my kids to say, you know, mom was angry and bitter and grumpy and unforgiving. And there's just no quality of life in that. And here I am fighting for my quality of life through the accident and the amputation. Um, and so I can heal physically 
but it, I have to choose also heal emotionally mm-hmm. and and let that let it go and move on and do the best that I can with what I have and so I do that and I do it every day and I do it with you know every new thing that comes up that I'm like I've never thought about that how am I you know what's you know what's interesting I don't know if you've ever taken a shower on one leg but that's not so easy <laughs> and and little things like when you're at a hotel and you might have it be a shower but there's this little one inch lip little in this to get into the shower just any shower there's that little little step and stand on one leg outside of the shower and think about how you're gonna get in that hop into a wet <laughs> shower yeah 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 I mean just huh. those little things that you don't even think about um, how am I gonna carry a basket full of laundry down the stairs because I can't see in front of me. Where's my foot at? Where is that going? You know. And so. you can't. And this is always the thing that I think of when I think of amputated legs is you can't feel when that foot touches the ground. No. So you don't know whether it's on a heart, you know, a, an yeah. unstable surface. I mean, like it could be on or, nothing. We're well, well, no, right. it's too late. <laughs> so I learned to fall. Yeah. I learned to fall gracefully, uh, but I learned to get back up every time. You know, this is the way that it is. And so yeah, for carrying laundry down the steps, I go backwards. So again, it, you just, it didn't stop me from doing laundry, which that's unfortunate. <laughs> that would have been a good thing I to be able to quit. I would have been okay, yeah, I'm okay with that. Running, that. laundry. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but again, I, I value cleansly, clean clothes on my kids more than I value walking down the stairs. So um, so yeah, you just figure those things out. And But it's, it's the little things, like, like the little lip in the shower. It's like, how in the world am I gonna figure that one out? Shaving's a lot easier though. I <laughs> save a little time there. <laughs> About half, you know, and I do get half off when I get pedicures. That's for sure. Oh, good. <laughs> There's benefits, you know. It's I'm starting to you got to see the silver lining in that, you know. Well, I, and that's part of the choice, isn't it? Is, it is, is seeing yeah. the humor and seeing yeah, the fun, and, sure. and I love that the kids are like, "Oh, this is my mom. She's got a robot leg. You oh, want to see?" She sure is. So uh, I've trained my kids that whenever we go shopping and I get to park in the handicap uh, parking lot, and so that's right up by the door. Um, every time I, I pull in, uh, my, all my kids will say, "What I say? What do you say?" And they'll say, "Thank you, mom, for losing your leg, <laughs> so we can park in handicap." <laughs> So, and I can cut jokes like nobody else can. I mean, really, it's, and unless they know me, I always get that awkward, like, can I laugh? Is that (laughs) supposed to be funny? I'm like, no, that's hilarious. You can laugh. It's funny. Well, and I think that's part of helping the parents or the adults that are kind of looking at you sideways like, I don't want to stare, but I don't think that's a real leg, you know, that it helps them be okay with it and realize, oh, you're just a normal person. Right. Well, and here's the thing, and then this, this is what makes me okay with that whole thing is realizing, yeah, I'm still Katie without the leg and like being an amputee doesn't define who I am. It's a part of who I am. But I'm still me. I'm still in here. Um, I just happen to be missing a leg. And um, that's okay. Like, if, if you can see beyond the physical part of having a prosthetic and a leg and get to know me, you'll see I'm still the same person on the inside. Um, and that's the thing that breaks my heart a little bit about just anybody handicapped, anybody, whether people perceive a mental handicapped or a physical handicapped, you know, sometimes the first thought is, 
they aren't mentally there or I, I should talk to them in a special kind of way. You know, like I remember when I was in a wheelchair primarily before I had the amputation, turn out to see people. My husband would be pushing me in the wheelchair and I got a little taste of how degrading that feels sometimes when you have people um, see you in a wheelchair and so for some reason they assume that they have to lean over and talk loud and slowly so you will <laughs> understand <laughs> and I'm like I lo- I'm losing a leg I'm not deaf yeah. <laughs> like, just talk to me like a normal person or avoiding you all together mm. I mean that that was a lesson that I learned too, because I get I get it when somebody's been through some tr- something traumatic and you see them, your first thought is, gosh, I don't know what to say. They've been through something terrible. I it's awkward. It's uncomfortable, and so so the tendency is for avoiding them altogether. Mm. And for the for the person on my side being in the wheelchair. Um, that kind of hurt a little bit. And I'm like, I get it. You, you, it's awkward. You don't really know what to say because I've been through something tragic. I don't expect something super inspirational or life-changing. Just come up and talk to me like a normal person. Say, hey, I'm sorry what you went through or whatever. Um, but don't avoid me. Yeah. Um, well, and I feel like because I've had friends who have gone through traumatic things and you have that moment where you're like, I don't. I don't know what to say. And it's like, mm-hmm. just say hi. And it's going to be uncomfortable for about 15 seconds. Yes. And as soon as we hug and I realize, oh, it's still you. It's still you. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, We're just yeah. the same, you know. And then yeah. you just get on with life. And so it's that, it's that uncomfortable mm-hmm. couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. And you can even say, I'm sorry I haven't called you. It's super awkward. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we could get back together again, yeah. you know, and just get on with it. Yep. And if you, you feel like, you know, you, you don't know what to say, then say that. Say, listen. And I, I know what you've gone through. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say, but I'll be here for you. Yeah. If you need something. Let's go have coffee. And sometimes the best comfort is just knowing that people are willing to just sit with you and not even talk, but just just let me know that you're there and, and don't avoid me, you mm-hmm. know. And then that was that. And I say all that just because that was kind of, I would have been that person would have the tendency to avoid someone, not because... I was afraid of them. It's just the whole awkward situation would be awkward and I wouldn't know what to say. And so I didn't want to say anything stupid, so I would avoid them altogether. But don't do that. Don't do that. They're just just normal. Go say something stupid. Go say something. Just go say hi. I mean, it's, yeah. And that's courage, too. I mean, I think about how much courage you've gone through in making the choices you have. And, like, I can at least have the courage to walk up to you and say, hey. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry what you've been through. Yeah. Or I don't want to be your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Just letting you know I was there. So how do you think, obviously, and let's specifically focus on being a parent, Mm -hmm. okay? How do you think, other than adapting to going down the stairs and being introduced as mom with the robot leg, how (laughs) has your dealing with them, your tolerance, your patience, your courage of parenting, your perspective, how has all that changed since you know, in the last mm-hmm. three years? Um, I mean, obviously, you, you know, as your kids grow, you, you relearn how to raise your kids with every age and stage at, that they're growing. And so there's always adjusting going on. But in regard to as far the being an amputee, what I try to encourage to my kids is get the whole story before you make a judgment or a decision. Right. For example, 
go sometimes when you go to the grocery store you'll see people on that motorized hover cart thing (laughs) right yeah and and sometimes they'll be overweight and or sometimes they'll have casts on or sometimes whatever and to my my expression to the kids is you know don't just assume that because they're overweight they're sitting in this chair maybe they had an accident maybe they can't walk maybe because they've been stuck in a wheelchair for so long and they maybe that's why they gained the weight right because that was me mm-hmm. that was totally me i was in a wheelchair almost for two years um after having a very active life after having a very active life yep and and then you know the, another caveat to the whole story is being pregnant again and carrying the pregnancy and that's why I have four kids now but um getting ready going in to have my leg amputated being told um you're pregnant (laughs) surgery's canceled call me in nine months (gasps) oh you had to wait for the amputation I did oh my goodness I made the decision like okay let's get it done let's get it over with I'm ready I was scheduled Halloween night of all nights, and when you go in for pre-op, obviously they do a pregnancy test, and uh, yeah, yep, yeah, that's, that's how Brendan got here. <laughs> so, so again, to go through the whole pregnancy from October through May, like winter time, with in a broken Michigan. foot, in a wheelchair, mm. pregnancy, yeah, it was not um, really really easy for me to keep that healthy physique. I gained a lot of weight from from that whole the whole thing and again it's like that was my story and if people who didn't know my story would have seen me in a go-kart in Walmart not knowing my story it would be so easy to assume she's just lazy and not walking and whatever but like you don't know my story have the courage to find out the whole story exactly or just assume that there is one that you don't assume know. that there is mm-hmm. one and just don't mm-hmm. as- don't assume mm-hmm. that they're whatever you think that you need to assume anyway so that's the lesson for my kids mm-hmm. is know the whole story or get to know them first before you just assume sure. who they are yeah. or why they are the way they are um and it's not even just with handicaps. It's it's with attitudes, with with kids at school that getting are constantly getting in trouble or being mean or you know. And we we talk about when they say oh so and so is always getting in trouble, and you know the conversation goes to maybe they have a really bad home life. Maybe they're really sad. Maybe they need a friend. Maybe, maybe their parent just got in a big car accident. Maybe there, mm. yeah, something bad is going on at home, and so let's just still be kind to them, mm-hmm. you know. And and so that's you know the correlation to me being going through the accident is just don't make a snap judgment if you don't know the whole story, mm. because a lot of people could have done that to me, and I and I realized that I know people did. Mm-hmm. So how to make what about for you? Just <laughs> dealing with life and dealing with everything since then. Have you kind of had a different outlook and your own courage? Is it built up or is it different? Um, I think I realized that I'm capable of more than I thought I was. Um, I'm capable of adapting more than I thought I could. Um, I realized that nothing can hold me back if I don't let it. I might do things slower, but I'm still going to do it. And so I have to be okay with that. Um, and I am okay.
okay with that. It's again, it's the decision to not let it change who you know you are and what you know is right, even though it's hard. Right. Right. It's a choice. Yeah. It sucks. And yeah. It's hard, but it's a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's things that I know I'll never do. I'll never go water skiing or downhill skiing. It's okay. I didn't care. To, I was terrible at them before. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I don't really care to take that up and be a master at it now either. And so there's things that I have to let go. Um, and some are hard. I mean, I have no interest in climbing the sand dunes <laughs> at the Sleeping Bear sand dunes because that would take all day. <laughs> and my foot would be f- so full of sand. <laughs> it would I'd take it off and shake all the sand out of it. <laughs> So, I mean, so again, there's things that I, I give up, um, but at the end of the day, it's, it doesn't matter. So when it comes to courage, is there any pearl of wisdom you would share with people? If they're trying to summon the courage to just get mm-hmm. through the day or make that attitude choice <clears throat> right. or whatever, what advice would you give somebody? Well, and it's just like what you said, it's a choice. I mean, it really is, and I know that that can be courageous or not courageous, but it all starts with a choice. And every day in every situation, even if you had no choice about what happened to you, you 100% have the choice of how you respond and how you react to it. Um, It doesn't matter if it's something that happened to you growing up as a child or something tragic, a loss, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's what's happened has happened and you can't change it but the question is, what are you going to do about it going forward? And sometimes that's what courage is, is making that choice to do what you know is right, even if it's not easy. And, uh, and I'm more of a practical kind of gal. I, I don't want to do the fluff and buff, like, yay, go get them. I'm more like, give me the meat and potatoes. <laughs> what do I have to do to, you know, to make the right choice or to be courageous? And for me, I thought about that. And when you asked, and I think for me, what it boils down to when you take all the emotion away from everything, it's deciding what my priorities are. <clears throat> because again, making the decision to have your leg amputated, yeah, there's a lot you can think about, like a lot, like what about this, what about this, what about that, what about that? Um, but when I boil all of that down and, and I literally make a list, I'm a list maker. I make lists to make lists, put things on my list to check them off. (laughs) (laughs) So when you boil it down, you sit down, you make a list. What are my top priorities in this situation? And for me, it was family and my faith, my family were the top two things. Everything a decision that I made regarding my amputation had to be based around those two things. I couldn't let it be based around everything else. I had to put the blinders on and focus on just that. And so I think regardless of whatever decision it is that you're trying to make, set aside all of the what ifs and I don't knows and this, this, that, and the other thing. Boil it down. What are your priorities? What what, is, what do you want your outcome to be at the end of the day within the situation that you're in? And, and trust yourself that you're going to make the best decision that you can with the information and the knowledge that you have at the time. Trust yourself in that because we don't purposely make terrible decisions, right? And they might end up with a terrible outcome and we're, we're shoot, I wish I wouldn't have decided that, 
I wasn't so wise. But in the time, in the moment, we're making the best decision that we know how to. And I think that's such an important thing to remember is that you're doing the best you can with what you've got. Exactly. And and yes. you'll deal with the rest. You know, you'll deal with the consequences. Yeah. You'll deal with it. You'll fix it. It'll work out, you know, eventually. Right? But there's a lot of courage in that. Oh. There's a lot of courage in that because, yeah, you might feel pretty good about that decision that you just made and you know it was the right one, but there still are all those what ifs that you know are going to have to deal with and... And sometimes you have no idea what that's going to look like. You have no idea that someday you're going to have to figure out how to get over a one-inch lip to get into the shower. <laughs> I yeah. never thought about those things before, and how am I going to figure that one out? You know. So, but that's the important thing about courage: is you set all that aside. Don't let that scare you. Don't let the fear of that "what if" block you from making a decision that's going to be the best thing for the priorities that you have in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I think the best way to know what those priorities are is to sit down and write them out. And just the practical side of, of what to do is, is write out what you're, what's the most important to you at the end of the day and start from there. So That's great. And how's yeah. life right now in the NIST household? Oh, busy, busy. I Four kids are <laughs> hopping and happy. And I have my oldest son who was six in the, when the accident happened. He's 18 now and going to graduate from high school and move out to Arizona, which is so far away from mom. But <laughs> I don't think he really worried, was worried about that as much as I wish he was. <laughs> but yeah, no, we've been busy. I've been busy with my business. I've been busy being a mom and, and wife and my husband is, is busy working and um, so it's good. It's good. I, I'm about as normal as you can get. <laughs> right back to normal life. Despite I love it. having a metal leg. Yep. <laughs> being a half robot. Well, thank you so yes. much for your time and your honesty yeah. and telling us your story because it, and I, and I love that it came down to the choice. It didn't come down to you know, you had to lose a leg to learn courage. You know, mm -hmm. it came down to, I made a choice with some crummy circumstances. And we all have had crummy right. circumstances to whatever degree. And, and that, that attitude and that choice makes such a difference. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes it so ununique. I mean, yes, my situation is unique of what happened to me. But, but we all get to a place where we get to make the decision about what to do. You know, when I do speaking, I say, you know, I know you, you probably didn't have the exact same situation that I had, but you had something. And so at some point, you're going to get to a place where you're going to have to make a decision and do it with courage. Mm -hmm. So Love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. And 2019. Yes. Let's kill it. <laughs> All right. <laughs>